What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We recap IPF World Championships that took place in Sweden this past week. We talk about the best male lifters, best female lifters, the great battles that are going on between Mello and Lawrence, Orhi and Gibbs, uh, Taylor Atwood's terrific, terrific performance. We talk about some of the disappointing performances of the week, and we have to cover this, but the unfortunate news of Kelly Michael Brantley testing positive for PEDs getting him booted from the IPF. We also have a terrific interview with powerlifting legend, 2019 IPF World Champion, Heather Connor. Great, great interview with her. We talk about how she got into powerlifting, her origin story, her experience at IPF Worlds, the performance that got her first place, got her the gold. We talk about some of the challenges she had to face, the intensity she brings to the platform, how she deals with hate on the internet. We also get into some segments with her as well. Annoying things powerlifters say, FMK, we play a little bit of that with her. Again, terrific interview. Thank you, Heather, for coming out. We also have our two white lights topic of the week. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of powerlifting and strength sports? Great conversation with there with some of the legendary powerlifters, some of the current powerlifters, different philosophies on what qualifies you to be on the Mount Rushmore of powerlifting. And we also finish up a show with Larry Wheels Did Something. But before we get into all that, I want to talk to you guys about Rival Us. Guys, girls, visit RivalUs.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 for protein, creatine, merchandise, pre-workout, you name it. Use promo code ANGELO15 you get 15% off. Do it. Go get you some supplements. Get some money off it as well. Also, visit Two White Light Store. Get yourself a t-shirt. Follow us on Spotify. Without further ado, here is Two White Lights. Monday, June 17th. Happy belated Father's Day. Thank you. It's actually, it's my parents' anniversary today, so happy anniversary to them. Happy anniversary, parents of Bane. Yep. And, like, double happy Father's Day to your father, too. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Yes, yes. You know, I share a name. It's, uh, it's a pretty daunting task to live up to that, so. Yeah, being a dad is not easy. That's why I'm not it's, one. It's not. And I'm avoiding so, it at not, all costs. You should. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the best birth control is not having sex with anyone. We got a terrific, terrific show today. Um, a lot of stuff going on in oh the gosh. world of powerlifting this week. And we alluded to it with the interview with Eric Stone. Yeah. Again, shout out to Eric. Great interview. Uh, check it out on Spotify if you guys haven't already. We were talking about how IPF Worlds doesn't have as much hype as USAPL Nationals. And I think that was a cold take on my part. The hype this week has been really, really good. Or was it our FBI agents decided, hey, we're going to flood their feeds with uh, <laughs> IPF stuff because they heard us say it? Maybe, because big shout out to, I think it's White Lights Media UK. Yeah. They were so quick with edits and giving us news from the meet because I'm going to be honest, I have a podcast, I'm a passionate powerlifter, 
I'm not staying up at three o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning to watch people lift weights. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm not doing it. Um, uh, even if I had a teammate, I probably wouldn't do it. I'll probably get the uh, reaction or the recap of it. And they did a really, really good job of releasing that information and those videos right after it was done. And oh, yeah. it was boom, boom. Like, I mean, you, you, you knew. Like, you, it was almost like being there as far as just having the information. It was like awesome. Yeah, it's crazy how, like, monopolies don't really work with, like, media. You know, it's like once you have a lot of people doing their own thing and getting it out there, it actually is good for the powerlifting. Maybe, maybe if you don't have one media outlet controlling everything, everyone will be satisfied with all the highlights that we got. So that's how I was keeping up to date with everything was uh, three white lights media or three or white lights media UK. Uh, I'll check the handle so we could give them the proper credit because they did a really good job this meet. Performances by a wide variety of powerlifters. Really yeah. great head-to-head competitions too. Oh my gosh, yeah the the eighty-three in your your weight class, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Um, was the the eighty-four kilo women mm-hmm. amazing? I mean, I think it came down to literally body weight. Like that's how tight it was. Yeah, they matched each other on totals. Uh, I believe both are team flex competitors. Yeah, Miss Amanda Ann and Daniela Mello. Yep, were. They were neck and neck the entire time, trading off really great lifts, both breaking world records, both having insane meets, putting up insane IPF points over there. Um, and let's start with that one because I think yep. that head-to-head contest, as much as I had invested in the 83-kilo weight class between Russ and Gibbs, mm-hmm. that head-to-head competition between Lawrence and Mello was insanity. It was, it was. It was great to see two American lifters. Awesome. Yep. Two American lifters going head-to-head, both coached by the same guy. They were just throwing up weights, and they couldn't do they couldn't do anything wrong, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really it, – it, it's exciting to see that and, and think about, you know – I know we've already talked about the experiment that's going on with Mariana and um, mm-hmm. and, CP, and And this is a similar vein where, the, you know, to your point, they're both coached by the same person and in the same weight class. I mean, it, it, the things like this is what powerlifting needs, and so mm-hmm. that, you know, as much crap as I get the USAPL, that's really exciting. That is awesome to see that, and to see these incredibly strong women uh, just crushing these weights. It's just, it's, it was really, really awesome to see all the videos and the highlights. Yeah, it was great to see, and again, the hype between the battle between them was happening before the actual competition was happening. Because, again, I'm probably a unqualified person to have a podcast because I did not know the head-to-head battle was going to take place. But I'm now surrounding myself with more powerlifters. People are up to date on this stuff, going to yep. powerlifting gyms. And they were telling me, it's like, ready for tomorrow? Mellow first Lawrence. And I was like, oh, yeah, shit. Those two are going to be going head-to-head, and they're both incredibly strong in the same weight class. Yeah. So when they were talking about that, like, just in the gym – and, you know, saying who's going to get the edge and knowing how close it was going to be, that's a really cool thing and something that hasn't happened in powerlifting a whole ton as of yet. But I think it's going to progressively get a lot better. Yeah, I, I do feel that way. I see, you know, I think the, the 83 kilo class is really uh, kind of leading the way with having this such a deep, deep class. Mm-hmm. And I think or it was kind of the same way in the 220 class for a while, too. Um, you had Dan Green, you've got, and then after him, you had, He'd say it, their wheels. Yeah. Uh, he did a bit, and then you had Kevin Oak. You've got, um, you know, Bridgeford was there for a while, then moved to 242. So you kind of got 
there's been a semblance of this before, but I think really the, the 83 Kilo, the 181 group, you know, they have truly uh, built this deep, deep bench, and now we're seeing it too with some of the women, with some of the lighter women, with Steffi and Mariana. Mm-hmm. And so I feel it's going to start really ramping up, and you're going to see these deep, deep classes, whether it's tested, untested, whatever. And so. Mm-hmm exactly what the sport needs yeah and the two biggest battles this year so far i believe has been steffi mariana and then mella lawrence it has yeah. been really good i mean it was entertaining to see and powerlifting at times isn't entertaining so when you can entertain the viewers and at the same time throw up unprecedented numbers too i mean that's that what this is what you came for right mm-hmm. and yeah. this is and this is what ipf worlds needs this is what i think the sport of powerlifting needs so yeah. as it's no surprise those two women took the top spots in the IPF uh, best overall. Yep. Best overall lifter Amanda Lawrence with nine thirty seven point nine seven IPF points. I Wait. am a noob when it comes to IPF points, but I know that is really good. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of IPF points. <laughs> just just throwing out that number. It's like nine thirty seven. Pretty damn good. And second best lifter was obviously Daniela Mello yep. with nine thirty five. Point four six. It, it, it came, it came to, like I said, it came out of body weight. I mean, that's just that's so exciting to see that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's yeah. really one A one B at that point. Like it's yep. so really. it's it's indistinguishable. But you have the IPF points for a reason, and that's why it's there to have that best overall lifter pound for pound and third best lifter, which was one of the best uh, performances of the day or one of the better mo- moments of the day, was um, Maria Thee. Great moment coming down to her last deadlift. I mean, like, kind of, a, it's like the equivalent of a buzzer beater, clutch shot, yeah. Hail Mary kind of thing, where someone misses their other attempt and then go and nails another attempt that's higher than the previous attempt. So, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so that's a Canadian lifter over there. Give her a follow as well. Um, 884.96 IPF points. It's crazy that that, you know, in, I would say most meets is going to win you best overall, and, it, and she barely podiumed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure his best overall took her weight class, obviously, but uh, yep. best overall lifter. And again, IPF, USAPL, in my opinion, hardest competitions as far as raw lifters go to get yep. best overall lifter. It's Stop. a shark tank. It's an absolute shark tank with men and women. It is. It I is. think and I applaud those that, that win it, especially when you get onto the world stage. There are I mean, just so many incredibly strong and great technical lifters. Once you get you get some of these Polish guys, these Russian uh, lifters, just unbelievably talented individuals. Yeah. And yeah, so it's doing best lifter. It, it, and I think this is Amanda's first Worlds, is it not? I don't know. I believe so. I, yeah, I mean, just wow. Uh, excited to see what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she, she does the right thing. She puts the right work in. And so I'm excited to see kind of where she goes over the next, uh, you know, 18 months to two years. I think that's kind of the the, the turning point where it's, okay, you're not as a flash in the pan. Now you're starting to really, you know, make some marks in in this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so i got some time still yeah. uh, for that to happen. I'm, I'm very excited to watch uh, you know, watch her and, and watch Daniela, too. I think this is a, you know, a rivalry, friendly one, it sounds like, mm-hmm. uh, that can really drive sport forward and hopefully build a much deeper uh, class at the – for the women, and then just continue moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So that's the females. We talked about before the show. We can't really get to every single winner who's, I mean, no. every single IPF winner, unfortunately. We do have one coming up uh, as an interview, which I'm really excited about. But 
we can't really get to every single one of them, but those are the top three women. Now to the males. Yes. And so, what, I mean, I don't ever want to discount the guys because the IPF guys, the Vigo Seville guys, I mean, they're, they're, especially the 83 kilo guys, that's, that's it. That's one of the deepest classes you're going to find. And so many of them are Americans, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then you have, uh, well, the, the top three. I'll just list off the top three because these are three well, tremendous lifters. Well, oh. if if the if the cream of the crop was with um, eighty four kilo women, eighty three kilo men with Gibbs and Orhe kind of going at it was unbelievable, especially with Orhe's performance because a lot of people are critical of him and some of the performances that he has kind of leave some weight on the platform or it seems like his training is a little bit better. The numbers he puts up in training are a little better at a higher weight. But sure. in this meet, he went the fuck off. Nine he, for nine. He put everything together. This was, uh, I, I don't know what the, the right term would be, but this, this was his, oh, it's not a swan song, but this was like the masterpiece. It was unreal. It was a dream meet. And I think a lot of people, and a lot of people I've talked to, other powerlifters, criticize him for not exactly going nine for nine ever, uh, not making as much as progress as they think he should be making. But he went nine for nine, broke a world record squat, I believe. Um, yep. Yeah, he broke a world record squat, killed it. He pulled that 700 deadlift, 716, which yep. deadlift was a lift that he seemed to struggle with. I think that was the first time he pulled 700 in competition. And if you follow him on Instagram, and I think most of the people who listen to the show do, he pulled 700 in training all the damn time. Yeah. And that could be due to him not being able to translate it. It's true. The weight cut, um, just it's hard to pull 700 pounds in competition. That could also be a contributing factor. But nine for nine, beat Brett Gibbs, who at this point was, you know, the kind of the, he was on top of the throne. Yeah. I mean, since Hack left uh, IPF, Gibbs was the guy, and he dethroned him. And it's a flex guy doing it. And Team Flex is a massive over is a massive winner in this one as well. <laughs> I, I, I use the dad joke, man. They flexed on him hard in Sweden. They did. And I'm sure you're very happy with all the Avengers references uh, was, that they make. The references, I'm, I'm a fan, man. Yeah. I, I enjoy those thoroughly. Yeah, I do too. Um, to a point, to an ex- like I think subpar powerlifting means said they overdo it just a little bit. And every USAPL lifter, see, this is the federation for you. Every USAPL lifter loves the Avengers and Marvel and superheroes. I might be the only one who's not a complete fucking fanboy over it. And and I get it. I, I get it. Join. I'm telling you, that's you know, that's the reason why you should join. Maybe you get some cover art for Endgame or movie trailer when you compete in Worlds or something. Yeah, but at the end of the day, my favorite comic character is Venom, and he's not part of the MCU technically yet. He's not? Okay. I'm, I'm lost. I don't, part of the Spider, Spider-Man universe, but if not fully uh, transitioned that ownership of property over to tomorrow or back tomorrow i should say all right well then 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 it's not the federation for you apf apf is way to go but so those were that was the big head-to-head competition with the male competitors i believe because it was you know close it was uh closer than the other weight classes and i think more eyes were glued to that competition russ Orhe has got a massive massive fan base people love him Everyone who follows me and who I follow as well, they are posting the live stream of Russ's lifts. People yep. love Russ. Uh, people love Gibbs as well, but people love Russ. He's got it all, man. He's, he's strong, you know, puts good content out. He, he connects with people very well. He's, he's a 
He's a solid ambassador as of now for the sport. He's not a douchebag. You know, he, he does he does the right things. And, and so I see why people like him. And he's and let's be real. Even if he hasn't quote unquote put together the good meets before the, this week, he's still a great and fun guy to watch. Yeah, he's elite. I mean you I, and I said this with Dylan, you don't get to have a fan base if you suck at the sport. Agreed. If you Agreed. suck at the sport or if you're even average at the sport, you're not going to get a fan base. You could do all the cool shit, I have all the high dev videos that you want, you're just not going to be able to reach your <laughs> people cuz they want to see the lips. Unless you buy it. Yeah. You use it, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's limit it that. I mean, I mean, you know, 22,000 isn't that big. But at the same time, um, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it. What a smile. What a, what a, what an aesthetic smile and physique that boy has. He, he is a handsome fella, and I, I'm not saying he's not, but I've chosen my 83-kilo lifter that mm-hmm. I'm going to play on, and that's my co-host, and so that's that. Yeah, um, if I can't beat him on total, I'll hopefully beat him on looks, but... I don't know. If I put that to a poll, I'm probably going to lose that one, too. But the big star of the male lifters was Taylor Atwood. Oh, my God. Taylor Atwood's an absolute beast. He is a stud. He was the best overall lifter of IPF Worlds with 881 IPF points. uh, Or he had 866, and Gibbs had 850. So pretty damn close when it came to the 83-kilo guys. But the 74-kilo Taylor Atwood, he is an absolute stud. Everyone's calling the GOAT. Everyone's calling him the best lifter to lift in 74 within USAPL and IPF. Rumors that he wants to go to 83 kilos. It's going to make my job a whole lot harder, um, uh, harder, at, harder, harder at nationals if he decides to compete at 84 or 83 kilos. But beast, beast day. Oh, tremendous day! It's unbelievable. And what my favorite shot is of him after I'm assuming it's after his third deadlift mm-hmm. jump. What a vert! Yeah, I'm saying. I got to work on box jumps if I want to be anywhere close to these guys. Yeah, that that was that's incredible. And it, but it speaks to the athleticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that ass twitch muscle, and you combine that with the work you're doing in, in the gym. I mean, that can create, and obviously has incredibly explosive athletes. Yeah, and um, I mean, six twenty three squat, four four thirty bench, and six eighty eight deadlift. Unbelievable! Amazing. Ridiculous for a hundred sixty two pound guy. I mean. Amazing, and I, I there's more to be seen from Taylor as well, which is a scary thing. But he's a stud, and he makes things look effortless. Uh, one of the better, he's also a, a good follow because he's yeah. quite intelligent with giving cues and all kind of stuff. So, uh, congratulations to him. But those are the best overall lifters, of course. We can't get to every single male lifter who won their weight class. Congratulations to everyone who's won gold or placed or even competed at IPF Worlds. Yeah, getting there, me. getting to that stage is extremely difficult. And, and I think we have to say that because as we, not everybody had the best day. No, and IPF Worlds is, if you make it, that is a that is a big accolade. It's a huge accomplishment. I'm not going to, again, I, I know I give a lot of credit to the USAPL and the IPF, but it is the, it's the deepest competition and and I, overall. And, and so to, to be in that group and to represent your country, well, you know, obviously we're Americans, so we'll say to represent Team USA, mm-hmm. it's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And, and just being there is, is part, is in part AW. Yeah. But the reason why we compete is because we, we want to see how we stack up against everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And not everything always goes your way. 
No, and we had a few competitors from Team USA and a few high-profile lifters. And if you're at IPF Worlds, chances are you're high-profile as far as your total goes and how uh, well you perform in the sport. But a few lifters didn't have the best meet. Maddie Forberg had an extremely unfortunate incident where she lost her luggage and yeah, traveling luggage. to Europe happens. What's up? Her luggage was lost for her. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, it was not <laughs> Maddie's fault at all. Um, yeah. This is advice for people who are traveling to international competitions. We did it once. Put your singlet, your socks, your shoes, and your belt in your carry-on. Yes. All the other stuff, put in the check-in bag. That's it. Very easy piece of advice. Um, I don't know exactly the details of everything, but when you have to kind of deal with that, which your equipment's important. It's, it is a big factor. If you have to borrow people's equipment, if you have to find singlets, if you have to find shoes, if you have to find um, socks, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So that probably hurt her performance a little bit. Um, the judging at IPF Worlds, we actually didn't touch on that. There's been some real questionable calls on squat depth, which is it's going to be the most uh, contentious of all the lifts is squat depth and when you know when we're covering what the last like five episodes and someone's squatting high at an spf competition or something yep we're now dealing with the complete opposite where people are bearing the shit out of their squats screenshots are showing that they're getting low enough based on their definition and still getting red lights so um few people were uh having issues with squat depth uh she only went three for nine again difficult circumstances as well definitely not the meat that she wanted uh, yep. Marissa Indo was another one, I believe four for nine. She's been very vocal about how disappointing her meet was. Yep. We still love you, Marissa. Yes. And Maddie Two White Lights is big fans of, yep. uh, Marissa and Maddie Forberg. Marissa especially. Probably going to edit that part out so Chad Wesley Smith doesn't kick my ass. <laughs> and my girlfriend for that matter. I'm not I have been a big Maddie Forberg fan for a long time. Yeah, uh, Illinois I, lifter too. I, yeah, awesome. Gotta love the Illinois lifters. Excited to meet her at some point, uh, through our connection with our field correspondent. Yes, yeah. yeah, our uh, Two Lights contributing writer. But yep. unfortunately for them, I think the spotlight, especially um, on Saturday, has been Ray Williams bombing out. Yeah. Ray Williams is probably top three, top two, perhaps the biggest star in USAPL for good reason. Massive, massive numbers, 1,000-pound squat, 1,000-pound raw squat. Yep. And um, open with 970 pounds. The full story is coming. We're recording this well before the full story is coming. It seemed like there was, I think he was 15 pounds lighter. I think he got food poisoning. It didn't, he didn't travel well. It's I'm either, thinking. yeah, it's either he didn't travel well. He's done IPF Worlds. He's had great performance IPF Worlds before. So yep. watching him bomb out is surprising. But at the same time, when if you guys watch the video and it's posted on White Lights Media UK, uh, King of the Lifts, Powerlifting Legends, Ray Williams, I believe, posted I, himself. I, 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 yeah, and with I mean, because when Ray Williams competes, people are watching. Yeah. Um, when he took that nine seventy off the rack, you could just tell that it it, it wasn't going to be his day. If he get that nine seventy lift in that squat, then you know at least he could go one for three, but. The way he took it off, I talked about this with at, at Surge uh, when I was lifting. I thought he was going to get a red light for with the up and down motion because it yeah. looked like he really couldn't find the weight and stabilize the weight as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little scared watching. It. Like I thought, mm-hmm. 
thought he, I thought he was hurt. Yeah. And watching watching the squat, watching the thing that happened, uh, again, I I saw the look in his eyes when he finally did settle the weight, and I'm like, there is. I obviously the video says he doesn't make the weight, but like, there is no way this man is standing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't stable. He just couldn't get under it, but it, it did look like an injury as well. But it's also 970 pounds. That's, yeah. that's no toy weight. I mean, I don't care how many times you've lifted 970 pounds in your life or 900 pounds in your life or weight below that. Yeah. The human body really can't play with that weight. So yeah, I mean, everything's got to be perfect. The walkout's got to be perfect. The way it's set up on your back's got to be perfect. If things aren't, if you, you know, maybe you're battling an injury or battling a sickness, it's just not going to sit well with you. It's going to be extremely difficult to lift that. And, of course, he has over a 1,000 pounds on his mind that day. Yep. So that's like one of the only times I think that people are going to miss their openers or miss depth on their openers as well is when they're in those super freak numbers where everything's a challenge. Because like, sure. like 83 kilo for me, I'm opening with 500 pounds. I could hit 500 pounds. I hit in training a lot. I could yep. kind of stabilize it. And it's it's just, you know, I could mess up my walkout and things will be fine. Sure. With 970 pounds, close to 1,000, it's going to be really hard to do that. So that was extremely unfortunate to see because I love Ray. Everyone loves Ray. We're a big Ray podcast. We're a pro-Ray yep. podcast. He'll be back, and he'll be back stronger probably. He will. And I think – At I, Nationals. I, yeah. I got a front row seat. Finally. Finally, I'm going to get to get to see Ray Williams squat. But I do I do want to see what, you know – I hate to listen what the explanation is, but there there is much more to the story – than, uh, than a failed squat. Yeah, and um, a lot of media, powerlifting media outlets are saying that right now, that there's full story to come on Ray. So curious to yep. see what that is, and we'll probably either write it on our Two White Lights blog that's booming right now, or uh, cover it next show as well. So those are the unfortunate meets and also unfortunate news with IPF lifters. Mm-hmm. This was, I believe, Saturday. So as think, we're recording, what? we kind of got that bomb dropped on us or yesterday it could have been yesterday actually i think it was yesterday so 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 great white north juggernaut i don't i don't know his actual name yeah uh, kelly michael branton thank you he tested or had had a out of competition test on march 31st which he passed and then received word that the out of competition test he was given on april 23rd he dropped dirty yeah and and he dropped really dirty Mm mm-hmm yeah, uh, it wasn't one of those things where, you know, I said this before on the show, when I look at the database of USAPL, now this isn't IPF, this is USAPL, I haven't seen too many people testing positive for too much caffeine or something found in their pre-workout or something like that. Yep. It has been so far because of steroids. Yep. So, true, like, true performance enhancers where it's mm-hmm. like, yep, that's going to help with, you know, muscle recovery, this is going to help with, you know, it, promoting muscle growth, you know, like, way beyond just your your average over-the-counter supplements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when that happens, especially in IPF, there's going to be ripple effects, especially with him because he's kind of like the Canadian Ray Williams. He's a absolute stud monster. Um, and he, he has... On them. What's that? He trains with Blaine Sumner every now and then. Yeah. Well, and also he's got... Uh, he has been, te- he's been uh, competing drug-free for 12 years, from my understanding. So he, I mean, he's competed internationally before, and he's been a great powerlifter, drug-free for a very long time. 
So if you want to read his explanation of it, go on great underscore white underscore north underscore juggernaut. You'll find it. Um, very long. He's obviously taken the news really hard, and I think most lifters would in this situation. But, of course, there's going to be a ripple effect. And yep. the explanation so far, people aren't exactly buying it, especially with what he tested positive for. Because from our understanding, what he said, he's only taken, I believe, uh, Canadian supplements or something, or the very basic it, supplements it, like protein powders and you yeah. know, like multivitamins, whatever. And yeah. for what he's tested positive for, I believe two steroids in there. Uh, uh, three, three metabolites that are steroid based. Two SARMs, two different types of SARMs. Like it's a lot of stuff. That's mm-hmm. why I say he's real dirty. Like it is, and, and now preface this i don't know as much as i probably should about all these performance enhancing drugs regardless of being a drug-free lifter it's still something to educate yourself about because when you see a post like this we should know exactly what these things are however yeah we just we we got this late so it's tough to research all of it that this past it it, i mean this is stuff that is it's pretty intentional Mm -hmm. in in my i I give it my my hot take on this this stuff is not going to be found in your protein powder. It's not going to be something that was accidentally injected into a cow for, for your steak. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. This is something that you you were intentional and deliberate about, and you assumed, I'm going to guess, because you got an out-of-competition test on March 31st, you're probably not going to get one three weeks later. Yeah. And I just, well, again, I, and if you don't know as much about, you know, these um, performance energies they've tested positive for, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> the only reason why I kind of knew was I was familiar with SARMs. Yeah. Because that's, like, the hot thing in powerlifting now. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are digging the SARMs. And- PR people are talking about, like, would you ever try SARMs? They say that now before Trend, because apparently it's, like, a lighter version of Trend. I don't know. I fucking, I don't know how this works. So I, I noticed that, and I was kind of, like, just confused with the whole thing. I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Um, Then people are saying, like, well, you know, you could test positive for other supplements that you're taking. Um, and you don't, you don't know what's in them when two of those things are steroids or three of those things are steroids, then, you know, I, I don't know if I'd buy it exactly, but then you kind of have to ask other questions on, was there some sort of doping going on or him trying to hide drug tests? How many times they have been drug tested out of season? Cause that's important as well. A lot of things to look at. And again, we are in the media. We are journalists, kind of. <laughs> You're going to put journalists in uh, massive air quotes there. But we still are not going to speculate. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to have you get uh, – my take on this is we are now in a sport where people are trying to enhance their performance. And sure. failed drug tests are going to happen in every single sport, and this sport is no different, if not more of a risk because of what we do. Sure. Stuff like this is going to happen. Some of your favorite power lifters, some of your favorite lifters are taking and maybe trying to cheat the system. That is my take on it. And he seems to be one of them. Now, there will be more things to unfold. We don't know. Maybe he would just say, fuck it, and go to other federations, which I think yep. he should do anyways. Um, and I said this on a previous show. It's like, we have a steroid federation. <laughs> we have yeah, all these... Or many of them. Yeah, so just they do those if you want to take and you know, do those if you want to use and enhance your performance all you want. It's just, at, at this level, it's like, if you're trying to cheat the system, eh, I, I have a, I have, I have beef with that. Yeah, it's pretty, 
it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Especially in IPF where you don't get money. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. again, uh, minor league baseball player Juicin to be in the pros for $8 million a year, I get. And to a point, respect. But for uh, Plastic Trophy, the glory, maybe the accolades, possibly a sponsorship, you, you could get better sponsorships and more money if you just do USPA, WR, what's the other one? WRPF? Yeah, WRPF, yeah, WPO. You know, APF, WPC. Yeah, you can do all that. So, so many of them. not worth it, kids. It's just not. It is not. So that was unfortunate news, but here's some fortunate news. For everybody listening. For everybody listening, we got IPF world champion in 47 kilos, Heather Connor, strongest hair flip in IPF, great lifter, one of my favorite female lifters to watch, and I had an interview with her. So here it is. And as promised, we have the 47 kilogram IPF world champion. World record holder and deadlift, national record holder, 47 kg USAPL national champion as well, strongest hair flip in IPF, the legend, I could call you legend, right? You're cool with that? I mean, gas me up some more, it's fine. Okay. Well, I obviously read your Wikipedia page beforehand because I got all those. <laughs> you have a lot of accolades to read through, by the way. It's like introducing <laughs> Apollo Creed and Rocky. <laughs> I can't even Google my name sometimes because I just... You know, you type in Heather Connor, it's like people have been wondering about my height, my weight, <laughs> just everything. I'm like, why? <laughs> I know that because I obviously did Google you as well, which you don't have a Wikipedia page, but we should get you no. one because I think you deserve it at this point. But yeah, I have Googled your name. You're lucky enough to have like things come up when I Google your name. Because if you Google my name, Angelo Fortino, you get my LinkedIn profile and that's about it. So... <laughs> Yeah, but we have Heather Connor on the show defending IPF World Champion. We're going through our IPF World Championships uh, recap that was in Sweden this year. And one, just got to ask, how are you feeling after a big, big win and being a world champion? Um, as far as, like, mentally, I feel awesome. Mm -hmm. Physically, kind of run down the day after I competed. I actually flew back to the U.S., so... My body was already feeling very fatigued and then sitting on a super long flight in a very, like, packed area. Mm -hmm. You know, it just probably wasn't my best decision. And so I got back on – I competed on Tuesday, got back on Wednesday, and then thought it would be a good idea to go to work on Thursday. Dedicated. Mm, <laughs> it was just, like, nonstop and – so I think my body's still kind of recovering from that, but I also texted my coach today, and I was like, hey, man, like, when are we starting again? So <laughs> This is an interesting th thing to ask you. You said you're feeling great mentally, yeah. which is obviously great, but was there any sort of that post-meet depression that you kind of hit? Because me and Matt Wallace uh, on a previous episode touched about that, that when you have a big competition, and IPF Worlds, in my opinion, is as big as it's going to get. Probably yeah. the biggest world competition in powerlifting. USPA, WRPF does not have those really big international competitions. IPF does. And so, Did you feel that kind of post-meet depression where you did it, you won gold, you accomplished all the goals that you needed to do, but at the same time, now it's over? Um, no. I For me, like, um, as far as, like, depression prior to um, a competition, like, I always have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. 
right after. So, you know, I reflect on my uh, competition, okay. you know, what I can do to progress in the sport and to become a better athlete. So I think, like, after the competition is all said and done, my mind is just focusing on the next thing and the next task I have set in mind to where I just can't have those negative thoughts in my head. Now, if it was going to be one of those um, longer breaks in between, probably would set in like, okay, what am I going to do during this amount of time? Because after nationals, when I would normally do the Arnold right after uh-huh. in March, I opted on doing it to uh, make sure that my lap was kind of healed. So that was a pretty long break for me. Okay. Which, you know, I think that's when that mentality started to go in every direction. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to perform since I didn't have that midway competition? Yeah. Um, but right now, um, after this competition, I didn't have those feelings. Okay. Yeah, it's... Some people have, the, like, a post-adrenaline kind of feel where they mounted up all this adrenaline, then now it's completely over, and really, and for me, it's like, the meet's over, and I'm trying to think of the next meet, but I don't have a meet to do, so yeah. I jump back into programming, get hurt, of course, and then have to take another two or three weeks off, but um, it's, it's, it's something to be said about looking forward to a big competition. All right, so before we get into your future goals and your performance at IPF Worlds, we always got to do this. Uh, shout out to my co-host, Bane, for always uh, introducing the origin stories through Powerlifters. So how did Heather Connor pick up a barbell for the first time? Or why well, did she pick up a barbell for the first time? My story is actually really lame. Um, Mine but... is more lame, so you're, you're good on that <laughs> like one. I want to be one of those people that have like this empowering story, like something dramatic happened, and I really – I don't have it. Like I just – I was in the gym just to stay, like, physically fit. Okay. Um, I've always been a very active person, like, my whole life in sports, et cetera. So that was just something I carried over and to continuously want to go to the gym. Um, I remember I was actually on a treadmill when um, I had a pastor come up to me, and he was like, hey, Heather, um, we have gathered this powerlifting team together and we had someone drop out on the team would you be willing to join and I was like powerlifting have no idea what that's about but you know I like being part of a group (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really talk to anybody at the gym so I thought that was like a good way for me to like communicate more and socialize and make more friends um so he gave me the like the rundown of powerlifting, like squat, bench, deadlift. Okay. Want to lift the most weight? Um, they now in between that he didn't tell me like rules, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So in my head I'm like, sick. I just had to pick up the most weight possible. <laughs> That's essentially what it is, right? Is <laughs> yeah, like, you have the I gist of it at least. Classes. Not, like, you could not tell me anything because all that was in my head was, I just got to be the strongest. And so that initially is what got me to even start picking up a barbell, like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, because before then, like, it was all Smith Machine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. In my five-toe shoes. Nice. 
I have I have some really sick pictures, and uh, I have <laughs> kept those off of the internet because they're so ridiculously sick. I don't want people to get so jealous of the fact that I was at that level. <laughs> Just <laughs> you know what? I actually kind of like stories like this more than those impactful, like triumphant stories where they had to because. You were just in a gym, someone told you to be a part of a powerlifting team, and then you became a multiple-time world champion, national champion, one of the highest Wilkes in IPF history, just because someone told you to pick up a barbell. And you're like, sure, fuck it, I'll do it. (laughs) I have nothing better to do that weekend, so I guess so. (laughs) Alright, so got your origin story out of the way, now let's talk about your most recent triumph, and that's IPF Worlds. So, made an interesting Instagram post um, right after you were done uh, competing, you said that you didn't have the day I wanted to, blah, 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 but it was the day I needed to win. So take me through that. You won your weight class, you won gold, but was there a certain total, a certain goal you were trying to accomplish beside all that? Well, so my American record deadlift is 182.5 kilos, mm-hmm. 402 pounds, and that was something that I wanted to make official as my world record. Um, considering that my world record at the time was like 387 pounds. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to make that evened out. Okay. Uh, I hadn't had the chance to make that an official world record, uh, considering I did it at the Arnold, and at that time they were not taking world records. Okay. So it was unofficial, and I just really wanted to make it official this go-round. Um, back at the Arnold, I had strained my lower lat. So going into Raw Nationals, that was probably at a, like, 70% healing process. And I took time off of this Arnold. I said I really want my lat to get back to normal because I want to hit somewhere near the numbers I had been. Okay. Um, Because as anybody that's gone through an injury, it kind of humbles you down a little bit and makes you appreciate your training a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. Um. So, going into IPF Worlds, I knew my numbers were going back up. I knew the healing process was going great. So, I was kind of looking forward to getting around, like, a another 308, 314 squat. I really wanted a red plate on bench. Um, and then, of course, to break my world record, which I did in the deadlift, but just not the number I wanted. Um the thing with IPF Worlds is I don't get to choose my numbers. Of course, I have a coach that puts down the attempts. Okay. We have plan A, and then we have plan B just in case something doesn't feel right or, you know, for whatever reason we miss a lift. And I sat back and watched the 63-kilo class. Um, I think it was the day before I competed. And so many people were getting red-lighted on depth. Yep. Somebody bombed out, and I just remember sitting in the stands, and I was uh, sitting with Blake Barrett from Canada. Yeah. And I said, Blake, one more person gets red-lighted. I'm running down backstage, and I'm telling them I'm lowering my opening squat because this is the biggest competition I'll do all year. Yeah. And I don't want to be put in the same situation as these other people you know, if I'm seeing what's going on, I want to make sure I'm not allowing the same thing to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it was crazy because as soon as I said that, 
the next competitor for the U.S. that came out, opening squat, all three reps. I'm like, eh, that's it. Peace out. I'm going to go let them know. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I did something very similar for my first US, USAPL meet was mm-hmm. I knew they are a little more strict with depth. So I'm like, I'm dropping my opener because it'll suck. Because I was just trying to qualify for nationals. It'll suck not qualifying for nationals if I miss depth on a squat that right. I'm not I'm prepared for. But in your opinion, because you were there, you had a first-hand look, how was the judging? I know it was strict, but did you think it was a fair type of strict? Um, I want to say it was consistent. Okay. Uh, you know, That's course, the number one thing someone says when the judging is really strict. It's consistent. It was, it was, if it's consistently <laughs> bad, it's consistent. <laughs> it was consistent. Um, I wasn't too fond of where the side judges chose to sit. I had to it see something like that. It looked like they were more in front. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the head judge was giving a lot of uh, red lights. I didn't even know they were allowed to do that. I thought the head judge, the front judge, only gives you the command, and as long as you don't jump, jump the command, you're getting at least one white light. Right, and so that's that's my whole mentality. That's what I thought as well. So to see this head judge just throwing out, you know, red lights like candy – it was a little overwhelming for me, um, so I did what I thought was best. I lowered my opener, um, I want to say by two and a half kilos. Okay. And um, just something that I, I hit in the gym, like, on a bad day. Yeah, you were way more conservative than me because I dropped my opener 50 pounds. So, <laughs> I'm like, I, I hit this for eight in the gym. I want to be able to hit it for one on the platform. <laughs> yeah, I overthink things tremendously, but... Two and a half kilos is manageable. Maybe I should have dropped it 50 pounds because I still, I still got called on my opening spot. But did you get two white lights? I got got one, a head judge called me on death, and so did one side ref. And I just remember going backstage, and here's where the dry humor comes in. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go dive head first off these bleachers. Like, oh well, at least God, wait to your third crazy. attempt to do that, you know? This, <laughs> don't do it after your first attempt. At least write it out to the end. It was it was crazy because, like, like in all honesty, I was like, you know, I don't know how much lower I can get. Like, my belt buckle was, like, digging into my thighs mm-hmm. at this point. And so uh, Bill, he said, just lift up your belt more higher. Like, bring your belt okay. up. And that was something that I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. But this is a way I can get a little bit lower without it stabbing me in my thigh. So second attempt, you know, we keep it at 281. And, yeah, I get all three white lights. Third attempt, we went to 292, played it conservative, all three white lights. But afterwards, I have this huge bruise along my ribs from where that belt was just sitting there, not used to it. Um, so 292 was actually my plan B for a second attempt. We were supposed to go 288, 298, 308, or 314. Okay. But again, some things happen and we just have to play it safe at this point. Um, again, it's IPF Worlds. The big goal in mind is to win. Mm-hmm. That, that was my first and my main priority. Of course, I want to hit certain numbers, but, you know, 
I did a, a podcast with Sam and Meg and with Team of the Lifts, mm-hmm. and we all agreed that our main priority and our first goal was to secure that win. Yeah. So in my head, like after my third squat, I said, okay, well, this is just some kilos I'll have to make up. Because at this point, France is ahead of me by mm-hmm. about five kilos. And um, I knew that, you know, my bench wasn't the biggest going in this competition. I felt very confident. Um, but, you know, I had somebody ask me, well, did you think bench was very strict? No, I don't think bench was strict. I think the pauses were very quick. However, <laughs> they kept trying to call me on my right elbow not being locked out. Okay. Something I've never been called on in my life. And here comes this little obstacle. So I was having to exaggerate that lockout of the elbow. Mm-hmm. First and second attempt, beautiful. And I just was like, you know, Bill, play conservative. Screw the red plate. Let's just go up two and a half kilos to 159. So, you know, they told me, like, if you can't lock out that elbow, we're going to start giving you a red. Okay. Like, they warned me. So on my third attempt, I was like, man, I don't want to miss this because of this elbow. So I try to reposition my body to where my elbow locked out, you know, right away. Because I do self-handoffs, which usually gives you a quicker uh, start command. You don't have to wait till the spotter to get out of the way, but it was taking longer because of that elbow. Okay. Um, so I repositioned myself, and it was super uncomfortable where the bar was. You know, I haven't trained like this. So when they gave me the start command pretty quickly – um, as soon as I went to press, that bar just did not even want to budge slightly off my chest because I'm in this new position that my body isn't used to now. Okay. I had to train like this for about six months, so I didn't get the lift. And right afterwards, I laughed, and I was like, okay, this is just something we're going to have to make up in my favorite lift coming up. Like, I knew... It was party time at this point because my best lift is the lift I know that never fails me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just kept telling myself, okay, Heather, we'll just make up the kilos in this lift. And that's exactly how it had to happen. So. <laughs> yeah, and even with that, because you went three for three on your deadlifts, correct? Yeah. yeah. So you went three for three on your deadlifts, and so you had the judges deal with on squat and bench. But then the internet came in on your deadlifts and told you what you were doing right and wrong, correct? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so I can count on, like... So you you can't win either way. Like, the judges are fucking you over, and then the internet comes in and ruins it, so... Yeah, I can count on one hand the amount of people that said that my third deadlift should have got turned down. I don't, like, the reason behind it, like, they're... They really didn't give one, um, but you, you're always going to have those critics. And mm-hmm. in my head, like, I really just wanted to make that comment, like, okay, let's say they would have turned it down. I still would have won, so what's <laughs> So what was the what was the reason for your deadlift? Because the only thing I could see them calling you on is it, it's – so with the three lifts, bench, or squat is the most contentious. Mm-hmm. Depth – differs for everyone and it's an interesting with like your knees coming forward so guys are going ass to grass but if your knee comes forward they're technically not getting low enough right 
defend your pauses and all that kind of stuff. I've seen some pretty fair uh, press commands in IPF and USAPL, but deadlift I haven't seen too. It's like you lock out the lift. The uneven one, it's like I. So was that the reason what they were saying it was uneven? So I want to. Okay, so there was a lifter um, in the sixty-three kilo class that went after a world record deadlift, a conventional puller. She did not get that lift because they said that there was downward motion. Okay. And I think that's what they were trying to com- they were trying to compare her lift to my lift. Okay, they're wrong because there was no downward motion. There was no yeah. downward motion, and what I'm thinking that they might have seen as downward motion was with my lower lat strain on my left side. It kind of likes to join the party a little bit late okay. um, on my pools, so that's what that was doing. It was like, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm coming. Just hold up one second. So, <laughs> in the process of that happening, with my body evening back out to just balance myself out, I don't know if people saw the evening out part as the bar doing a downward motion, but there was no dipping point. Okay. Um, and I take pride in that because that's something I haven't done since 2016, Arnold. And when I dip, it's an aggressive point blank, oh, yeah, you know what? She actually did dip that bar. And I have not dipped since 2016, Arnold, because I've been so critical on my technique when it comes to deadlift with it being my strongest lift. Mm-hmm. Um, so I focused a lot of attention on that. So when these people were saying it, in my head, I'm like, y'all are crazy, y'all are this, y'all are that. Of course, I'm not going to blatantly stay on social media because then I'm going to get more backlash. Yeah. <laughs> Does part of you like it by any chance? Just like when oh, you yeah. receive a little bit of hate, because I'm an egotistical maniac, but when I receive hate, I just get a little bit more proud of when I receive praise. But Yeah, I, I do. Like some hate, like I just... A lot of the hay I'll turn into jokes because it makes me laugh a little Mm -hmm. bit more because I know how it used to be in the past. And somebody could be like, oh, you're fat, and I would just dread it the whole day. Like, how dare this person say this about me? Like, what? Like, I would let it consume me as a person. Mm -hmm. And it just took one person to be like, Heather, do you know these people? I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, well, do they actually know you? And I'm like, no like okay so why is it affecting you so much i'm like that logic is you know great and all but i don't want to hear it but it was so true like why am i letting these people who have Mm -hmm. no significance in my life really impacted that much so afterwards like when people will make hateful comments depending on like the severity of the hate Mm -hmm. uh i will start making jokes back and you know it's i just make fun of it you know uh when i held those gold medals in front of my eyes like oh i can't see the haters (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really like that it was a really good way to kind of clap back at them but it was surprising for me to see that because as far as what i've seen and a lot of people who i know personally follow you and seems like you have a pretty good like fan base going too which is uh always good to see so ipf world champion awesome meet what were you and you actually touched on the biggest obstacles you had to face and you did a really good job of making, like, quick, quick adjustments. And it's really interesting hearing you talking about that because I think a lot of powerlifters don't take into consideration that you have to adjust the day of the meet. Not everything's oh. going to be perfect. 
Um, especially in a competition like that, too. And you you made some really interesting adjustments, too. You have to. You mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. So, also, want to know, how was just competing outside of the U.S.? Um, different obstacles in Europe, of course, the flight, the sleep, the catching up on things. And also, how was Sweden? Well, Sweden was very beautiful, um, full of flowers. Like, if you love flowers, you're going to love Helsingborg, Sweden. Because I feel like over there, they really, really take care of their city. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was just beautiful. And I'm sure that they they have bad people and bad spots. But where I was, like, I could just walk around and love every second of where I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like adjustments as you know, the time difference, I was in a six hour time difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they're six hours ahead of what I'm used to. Uh, the flight over there, it, it wasn't bad. I flew into Munich. I try to fly into places where I know the language. Um, Do you know German? I know German okay. very well. My dad is from Germany. Awesome. So, yes. Yeah, so All right. <laughs> Didn't know that. I the language like very well. I was uh, actually in the Munich airport for about three and a half hours, so I was able to eat and communicate and just like really relax, watch some of the live stream from where I was at, and uh, I flew into Copenhagen, and this is where things got a little bit iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I get there. And, you know, here you can't smoke in, like, airports. And Mm -hmm. there it's just, like, normal. So I'm not used to being around cigarette smoke. No kidding. I don't know that. Yeah, it was so overwhelming. Well, when I was in England for Worlds, we noticed, I'm like, I love when smoke's over here. But it's not, like, towards, like, they're all outside of the area, too. So Yeah, so, like, in Germany they have, like, their own separate, like, areas. Like, Mm -hmm. in this room you can smoke. But in, like, Copenhagen, like, it was just an overwhelming just smoke smell. And it was like I wanted to throw up. So to not throw up, I checked on my bags as I'm waiting for, like, you know, it to show up on the belt. And I see that it says my bags never left Washington. Oh, shit. In my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Which it didn't bother me so much because – I had my lifting gear and everything with me. And your second bag, correct? Or your carry-on? My carry-on. On the show earlier, we mentioned that is the number one thing you do competing internationally. <laughs> Have your singlet, socks, shoes, whatever, in yeah. your carry-on. You got that advice twice now. One from the IPF World Champion and one from me. The <laughs> IPF World Champion said it, so. Yeah, so that's where my all my lifting gear was in my snacks because I was not leaving those behind. Mm-hmm. Um. But so, like, I checked my United app. It said it didn't even leave Washington. So, me being the, like, I'm very time-oriented. I'm very OCD when it comes to certain things. So, I rush over to where the, like, bag people were. And I'm like, hey, like, it said my bag, blah, blah, blah. It's not here. Um, So, he's checking on it. And he's like, yeah, it never left. I'm like, how? Like, my flights were perfect leading to this point. So, he couldn't really give me a reason and then I was like, okay, well, how long is this going to take? Because I don't want to miss this train. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, the train's actually on strike. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, my ticket's not saying that. Um, the you train's know, on was, All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, every, like, it was, like, one thing after another. So I instantly 
like I pull up my phone, I'm starting to text Marisa Enda and a few of my other teammates saying, Hey guys, I know y'all are coming in like after me, this is what you should expect. Just be prepared in case these trains are on strike. So, um, after I was about to throw the biggest, brattiest fit in that airport, I was going to go check to see if the train was actually on strike. Um, and as I'm walking away, just stomping off, wondering who am I about to call to yell at, who is in this line of fire, I see my bag on the belt. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I grab my bag and I'm like, freaking idiots, hashtag Napoleon Dynamite boys the whole time. <laughs> and here comes security, I guess, seeing this like little American girl stomping around, feeling super entitled. And he's like, ma'am, is uh, everything okay? I was like, um, no, I need the trains to be working. And so I go back up to the uh, bag while I was like, yeah, I got my bag, ha and just like throwing oh my gosh I was probably like the most embarrassing person but you get down to the train it's working but nothing is in English nobody down there speaks English no service members are down there to help you and so I had to take my social anxiety and push it to the side and try to speak to these people from Copenhagen I'm Mm -hmm. like hey which train takes me to Helsingborg, Sweden. And I finally found this nice young man who looked to be in a gang, but I... What gave you that idea? <laughs> it was just like, if I could pick the sketchiest person to talk to... I, I wonder what the gangs are like in Copenhagen. <laughs> I don't know. Probably a little bit different from American gangs. That's just, and what I'm naturally going to assume. The epitome of somebody that you would see in America that you're like, you know what, I probably shouldn't talk to him. That's that's who I spoke to, but he was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's another piece of advice. If you see someone in a gang or suspected in a gang in Copenhagen, talk to them, actually. Actually yeah. talk Stranger Danger doesn't exist, apparently. <laughs> no, Stranger Danger was not even in my peripherals at this point, but he did get me to um, Helsingborg safely. I get off the... Um, the train and my hotel was like right around the corner from the train station i didn't know that so i went up to a taxi driver and i was like hey can you take me to this hotel and he looked at me like i like had just had a bird poop on my head or something he was looking at me so crazy and i was like what are you looking at and he said it's all you gotta do is turn the corner it's right there and i was like you like, fo- I was supposed to know that. You you found a very nice taxi driver, though, because yeah. taxi and drivers would be like, oh, I could take you somewhere, and then they'll drive you 15 miles around to the, where the spot you were at and charge you $60. Taxis over there are so expensive. Like, it's mm-hmm. a 35%, like, taxing. Yeah. So you start off expensive, and I'm like, wow, like, thanks, man, like, you didn't have to embarrass me in front of, like, all these people. Like, I, I called my mom, and I was like, Mama, stay on the phone with me as I walk around this city. I don't even know. And so she's like, okay. Um, but, you know, my mom's like, my mom is one of 
there's people that also don't have a filter. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she was just, I had her on speakerphone so I could really pay attention to my surroundings. And she's just going off by the mouth. So I'm kind of glad, like, people probably didn't understand what she was saying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's always but, good. Yeah, but, um, so I get to the hotel, um, and I knew that I, I just, I wanted sleep. I wanted to catch up on that. Um, but then I have friends that I knew were competing. I was like, ugh, I said I would be here, and I'm here, like, when deadlifts are going on. So it's almost over. I'm going to be a kind friend. So I took my bag of snacks, me and my bag of snacks, and walked up to the venue, which was probably not the best idea because it's all uphill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I passed a really cool castle. So, um, yeah, I saw a lot of the pictures from the competitors there. It's, I, yeah, I love it's, Europe for that reason. It's just how cool the architecture is. Yeah, it's so much different. Like the roads were cobblestone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest adjustment was allowing myself to get that rest that I needed. People don't take that into consideration. You've been on a super long flight. It's not like other Europeans flying to another European country because the United States is so large. You know, Europeans complain about an hour drive, whereas, okay, it takes me an hour just to go to the next city. Like, it's no big deal. But a 16-hour flight, my body's probably super tired. So the day before the competition, I did nothing but sleep. Mm Mm-hmm and catch up on all, because I knew I was underweight. Yeah. Uh, I knew I didn't have anything to, like, really focus on, but not fatiguing my body. Okay. Not walking around and just really getting after that much-needed sleep, so. Yeah, that'll definitely uh, throw a wrench into things, not having uh, trains working in your bag, not there, too. But um, <laughs> you're a better friend than I am, though, because I would not have gone to see my friend's deadlift. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping right now, guys. But that actually happened. Yeah, I, I did that right after. I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> in, uh, in Manchester, uh, it wasn't I was tired. I was hungover, and I did not want to wake up for my friend's uh, bench-only competition. So uh, I, I came there. It was like it was like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Went there. I'm like, did you guys bench already? He's like, yeah. I'm like, figured. <laughs> oh, I just missed it. <laughs> but, um... You throwing a fit in airport is not a surprise to me because I've seen how you deadlift and lift weights in general. If you guys don't know, Heather Connor is an extremely vibrant lifter, intense lifter too. And don't mean to stereotype, but I'm going to stereotype. I wouldn't expect it just by looking at you in the first place because you're a 100-pound petite lady and you look very, very polite. But then when you kind of go into your deadlift, there's a extreme intensity there. So I always find that fascinating with different lifters on how they psych themselves up because some guys are really stoic, some girls are really stoic, some people are really intense. Does that help you get through the deadlift? What exactly is that making you do? Or is that just, you know, you showing the world who you are right before that lift? Well, to be fair, I it's like the amount of aggression I show within my lifts differs. Mm-hmm. I'll show that little bit of aggression during squats. Um, you'll see me super calm and collective during bench because I see that as my cruising phase. I'm just cruising through and doing what I can. And then deadlifts, that aggression really comes out. But it goes a lot deeper than people just thinking like, oh, here's this girl. She's just being dramatic. I am 
let's say, let's go back to IPF orals and what I weighed. I weighed in at 45.35 kilos, which is 99.9 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, always lifting around four times my body weight. Yep. That's unheard of. It is. Literally so unheard, unheard of. of. <laughs> People do not do it. <laughs> Heather so is the first person of. to do that. <laughs> yeah. In a test of federation, I am the first female to do that. And as you say, like, when you look at me, you see this small, petite, look polite-looking female. Mm-hmm. I have been judged by that my whole entire life. You can't do this because you're this way. Oh, you couldn't make the team because you're just not big enough. You're not this. You're not that. Like, I've had so many obstacles thrown on my face. Oh, you have scoliosis. You're not supposed to be doing this. And, you know, being someone that suffers through anxiety and depression, those actions and those thoughts that people have said to me stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like, me and all my demons are joining that platform. But it's one of those, I have those thoughts in my head. You're not supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? And it will consume me if I allow it. So when you see me shouting and you see me slapping myself in the face to where it's like, whoa, this girl's a psychopath, (laughs) I'm literally getting rid of every negative thought in my head. I'm like screaming them out of my body because the second I have self-doubt, I'm not going to get that lift. Mm -hmm. I'm here to show that weight that I'm stronger than anything that's loaded on that bar. And that's when you start seeing that aggression Mm -hmm. because my whole life I've been told, you're not supposed to be able to do this. You can't do this naturally. What are you taking? You're not supposed to do this. But, you know, it's crazy because now those same people who decided as a small child to put those thoughts in my head are now the same people congratulating me Mm -hmm. and just give me the utmost confidence in myself and in a way I just want to be like thank you you are the reason why I am the way I am because you know especially now where women are more empowering towards each other I would never want somebody to feel like they can't do something Mm -hmm. even if it's the littlest thing like even with my pre-k kids I had to tell a little girl today like you are smart you are smart and you better start showing it Because I don't want them to ever feel like they are not capable of going beyond what everybody makes them believe they can't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I really, when people explain certain things like that, it's, it's incredible to me to hear, like, what exactly forces you to do that and what exactly forces you to protect things. And, um, yeah, that's a really good kind of way to harness your emotions and to make sure that, your emotions don't get the better view on the platform because that can't happen because I'm the opposite because if I get Uh, more emotional, I'm not uh, a great lifter. Yeah. I mean, if I take it back to 2016 worlds, Mm -hmm. I was my final deadlift world record attempt. It was the pulls for gold medal. Mm -hmm. I was already secured silver. This was for, as King Melissa would say, all the marbles Mm -hmm. and, you know, usually before lift, like, I just black out. I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. I'm so focused on that lift. But 2016 Worlds, my final deadlift, 
I heard you know. I heard the crowd and my eyes went straight to those colored plates. And I'm like, wow, I've never lifted three reds before. <laughs> wow, and here comes all these like um, negative talk in my head. And I never once have ever walked out to where I was not focused on that lift. But that day, I was. I was just so consumed in everything that was happening around me. My focus was not on that lift. So that pool did not even budge off the ground. Not even a little. And for me, like I'm one of those lifters, if it breaks the floor, I have it. If it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. But I refuse to allow that to happen again. Mm -hmm. I refuse to be so caught up in world record attempt, world record, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that, and just do what I came there to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I allowed to ever happen again. So 2017 Worlds came around. I pulled for the win, won on body weight. This Worlds comes around. I do the same thing. I'm pulling for the win because that's what it's ultimately going to come down to when you're in these kind of situations. You need to get your mind right. And if my mind's not in the right place, I see comments like, oh, I wish you would just lift the weight and what's up with this setup? Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, you go lift four times your body weight and you go do it however way you want to. Yeah. I'm going to do it my way because I've been the most successful in how I choose to do it. So. Yeah. Well, if you're if people think your deadlift setup is ridiculous, they should not watch mine ever. So oh, I, I love your deadlifts, especially the ending where your little hand claps. <laughs> Thank you very much. Some people love it, and some people want me not to compete anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, peacocking is uh, one of those, or etiquette. Etiquette's one of those touchy things that powerlifters hold near and dear to them. But whatever. IPF is done, and or IPF Worlds is done. What are your future goals? Um, future competitions? Anything planned? Maybe try different federations? Well, um, my next competition is actually the ABS Pro in Ireland. Okay. That's in August. Um, me and Megan got invited to that. Um, it's one of those things to where, um, because USAPL is so strict, we can compete at these kind of competitions unless we get approved from them mm-hmm. um so that was like a lot of and a lot of my friends are in ireland so i was like oh yes like even if i'm a guest competitor there i gain nothing from this experience yeah um besides like really enjoying the competition and being around some really good people so i got it approved megan's in the process of getting it approved but so that's my next thing and my that goal is to have fun and just really go after kind of the things that midway point that I didn't get between the Arnold and IPF worlds. So that's going to be my little midway point going to raw nationals. I I do want to continue to push my limits on how much I can lift. Hopefully um, my lat is really just game for whatever's mm-hmm. happening. But this competition is mainly just to really enjoy myself. Here comes my cocky comment of the day. Raw Nationals is is also going to be one to really enjoy myself because unless I just bomb out, nobody in the U.S. is going to be in the 47 class. And that's not to take away from these great athletes who are also in that class. It's just... I'm it's reality. Class. 
category. Yeah, I'm in my own little category. Yeah. If I am over 100 pounds ahead of the next lifter, mm-hmm. you know, I it's nothing that I'm so much excited for anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see friends. I'm excited to put up a total. Mm-hmm. But I don't have nobody pushing me. So it's just almost like another fun competition. <laughs> well, it's refreshing um, to hear someone say that because a lot of times it happens to a lot of competitors, say not in USAPL, competing, say, at, you know, certain not, uh, or certain drug testing federations where the competition really isn't as strong, but they go through the things of, you know, the cliche canned responses like, right. oh, everyone's great. You never know what's going to happen. When in reality, they're going to total the next guy by 150 pounds and possibly yeah. win going three for nine. Um, but refreshing to hear someone say, yeah, no one's going to touch me. And it's, you know, it's uh, barring a major injury. <laughs> it's uh, going to be. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just facts. And mm-hmm. I get it. I'm not taking any way, anything away from these other lifters. They're strong in their own way. And, you know, it's just, again, like, I don't want to say, like, they're weak. They can't hold mm-hmm. a candlestick to me. But the reality is. I don't feel like I have any competition, mm-hmm. not for a long shot. And that is when the question comes up, well, have you ever thought about going to a different weight class? I can't even fill out the 47 class. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a challenge that is going to be unique to you because it's hard for, one, it's hard for a lot of people just don't understand. It's hard for people to, you know, kind of gain weight Yeah, or gain that much weight. And right. two, it's you're at a very low weight class, so the next weight class above you is really it's it's up there, yeah. So just get, making that jump is in, is really incredible and not really realistic in a lot of different ways. But um, enjoy Ireland. Always wanted to go there myself. Um, and USAPL Raw Nationals is going to be in Chicago, so we'll love to get you in the studio. And uh, that's literally in my backyard, 15 minutes away from my house, where the competition is going to be held at. So easy day for you it's gonna be, that's the only reason why i'm doing the competition is uh, aside from 83 kilos being the one of the strongest weight classes in the world and yeah. me wanting to compete along with them but usually usapl nationals is in a different area that's really far away from me during the school year yeah. so it's very hard for me to travel um but don't have to do it this year 15 minutes away, right there. I'll be home really quick, yeah, too. Yeah, no reason not to even yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, the excuse, yeah, no excuses this year. It's, like, perfect. It's awesome. Um, get to be there in there, and it's perfect because we can actually get you in the studio and my co-host will be here, too. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds, like, that sounds super exciting. I'm excited. Again, like, I'm excited to be able to see everybody. Mm-hmm. And the same person that I am on social media is, like, the same person I am in real life mm-hmm. and I think that's why a lot of people love to meet me because you know you do sometimes you meet people that you see on social media and you're like god this person's a bitch like I can't even fucking deal with them right now and I hate it for them I really do because a lot of people when they message me I do my very best to try to respond to literally mm-hmm. everybody unless I'm getting like some real creepy like message then I'm like eh I'll just screenshot it just so like, I can laugh about it yeah, um, I'm assuming you have more creepy DMs than I do, so naturally. You know, I always get asked, like, do I get dick pics? Do I get this? And I'm like, absolutely not, because one time I made one comment saying if I ever get a dick pic, I'm going to expose this person, 
it's gonna be like once it's on the internet it's on the internet like Mm -hmm. don't let me be that person and it's like after I said it nobody has even attempted because I think they know I'm petty enough to do it Mm -hmm. but yeah like I I like being the same person that that social media persona that you see in real life Mm -hmm. because that's what people look forward to they don't look forward to the total opposite of who this inspiring motivational person that they have been following for so long and it's unfortunate when it is that type of way like i have like have seen an inspiration and Mm -hmm. they just be a freaking drag in person okay so i can toot my own horn on that one but it's like Raw Nationals is over with, like, you automatically win, you get that invite, of course, after you pass a drug test, uh, to Worlds, and it's back in Belarus in 2020. Really? Oh, I mean, there's a long shot that I'm going to qualify for that, uh, and again, 83 kilos fucking kills, so, but at the same time, Belarus would be a tough travel for me. I don't know, like, there's been speculations, and there's been talk where, you know, because the U.S. and that area are not on good terms, mm-hmm. there were some events that happened while we were over there. That I've heard that. Like, oh, so a lot of the U.S. members are like, why are you allowing this? Yeah. Because there was an NAPF competition in Mexico City, and USAPL was like, absolutely not, because it was dangerous for us. So... I'm wondering if that's going to be the same situation going back to Belarus. Okay. How are you going to allow the U.S. team to go over there knowing the circumstances of everything that's been going on and still going on? Um, Because it's it's not a very thrilling time. Yeah. (laughs) Like, especially if you have to really just think about every single thing that you're doing while you are over there. You can't really enjoy yourself if you're wondering – Oh, am I about to get thrown out of a window? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make your nerves sit well. Right. Especially for, like, a bigger competition. Like, yeah. I didn't, didn't have to worry about that in Helsingborg. The most I had to worry about were drunken Irish people super loud outside the hotel. And, that was um, what I had to deal with in Manchester. And a lot of them are listeners of Two White Lights and some of my best friends now. So... <laughs> I love I the Irish. Them. I will keep I on going on that. Love them. the Irish. You know what? I see y'all in August, and y'all are really just going to hate me. Because it was night before the competition. Yeah. All of a sudden, I start, I start hearing some shouting and yelling outside my window. And, like, Sweden, like, in the hotels, they don't have, like, indoor AC. Like, you have a fan. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, room temperature. Mm-hmm. And it's hot. And you're like, God, I hate my life. So you want to crack that window open, but you crack that window open, you're going to hear every drunk Irish person downstairs, and so they're so loud, and I'm yelling at them, I was like, shut up, shut up, and they're like, no, you shut up, Heather, I'm like, yeah, I don't even like y'all, so I close the window, and I'm like, I guess I'll eat, it's like 11 o'clock at this point, so I'm eating, they go off somewhere, I'm like, cool, um, I'll let planet or animal planet make me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I get relaxed in the hallway, I hear this French guy drunk as a scum walking down the hallway singing yellow submarine. 
and I want interesting to song, out. interesting song to use at that time. But I, I want, or I do kind of want to hear a Frenchman sing "Yellow Submarine." <laughs> and I want it to be mad, but at the same time, I'm like, interesting because <laughs> interesting song choice. And like, he's French. Just and he's French. Got a so, interesting accent to go along with the Beatles. So right, so I think I got maybe like three hours mm-hmm. of sleep going to you know weigh-ins the next day, but. You know, I still came out on top, so sleep really wasn't an issue. Yeah, or yeah, it's uh, if they're trying to take you off your game, it's going to take a little bit more than that. But I'm sure the two white lights listeners are sick of me telling this story. But the almost the carbon copy happened in Manchester when I was at AWPC World Championships. Mm-hmm. We were going through. We were taking the tours of the pubs in Manchester. We stopped by at the hosting hotel to take a piss, and there's seven Irishmen drinking Guinness and just with bottles upon bottles at the table they see me at the bar and they're pointing at me like oh you're a strong fucking cunt from the other day <laughs> and then um, they ask it's like oh sit down have a drink with us so it's three o'clock in the morning we're all drinking we're all having Jack Daniels we're having Jameson they get the idea it's to rap me and my co-host mm-hmm. uh, Bane 316 and uh, raps for the first time in our lives and I was dressed very nicely, or I mean, just regularly. Wasn't wearing shorts or anything. Had my jeans right. on. Had my nice dress shirt on. And they're like, "Oh, we'll we'll wrap you." Uh, just tell, and we're having contest. Uh, yeah. Who could have the tightest wrap on each leg? <laughs> so I'm like, I, I don't have shorts or anything. Like, oh, drop your fucking pants. We all know each other. I'm like, oh, we're in a hotel, man. I'm like, I don't. I'm like, you know me, I guess, but those guys don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, no, don't don't worry about it. So. They wrapped me up and all three o'clock in the morning. And the next day, I did not see my friend compete because I was way too drunk and hungover for that. They were all there, though. They were all there. Um, actually, one of the gentlemen um, <laughs> had to judge because he's the president of the Irish Federation. Yeah, he was the president of the Irish Powerlifting Union. So <laughs> he had to be in there. And he actually probably drank the most out of all of us. But that's why I love the Irish that night alone. The Irish are really good people, mm-hmm. and, you know, we even shared, like, a warm-up platform in the back. Um, I just, that's why it wasn't so hard for me to agree to do the guest competition mm-hmm. in Ireland, because I just love being around them. They're, they piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> They're like that sibling, like, God, I hate you, but I love you. Um so I'm kind of, like I just I look so forward to seeing them and I they are just set on the fact that they are going to get me to drink again like they did in Belarus <laughs> and that it's just going to be a crazy time I'm like no I'm not drinking with y'all again <laughs> yeah well enjoying in Ireland is going to be a blast Belarus I'm I'm actually a little bit more upset I know it's maybe an unsafe environment but I just like when they change venues up you know what I mean I like spread it out spread the love around you know Sweden was a good place to have it Um, I think they had in Calgary once for the classic that's a pretty cool place to have it is in Canada try Italy I would love an excuse to visit my family Um, yeah England too is a great and Ireland is another one I think IPL world championships are in Dublin so I just like seeing them change the change the venues around because if you're having a Belarus every come on you had it two years ago. Change it's like it. having it in a Killeen, Texas again, which was sorry USAPL, but it was really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Also, well, you're in. All right. So when you come to Nationals, it's going to be in Lombard, Illinois. Lombard, Illinois is not Chicago. You're going to have to take a train up to Chicago. It only takes like. All right. And you guys can see we're on a podcast, but. But uh, usually they don't go on strike in Chicago, so you're good there. And it's only like a 20 minute train ride. And then once you get I there. I don't have to talk to a gang member. Oh, you don't want to talk to the gang members in Chicago. I don't know if you see the news recently, but yeah, they're not as friendly as they are in Copenhagen. I'm just gonna like roll up neural nationals with a whole gang. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah, and I'm yeah. And if you're and if you're from the area, you'd be like, oh, okay, we do not want to mess with her because yeah, the that's that's one black guy in Chicago is the amount of gang violence that's here. So um, but yeah, it'll be that'll be entertaining to see though. You and, like, the Gangster Disciples and um, uh, Latin Kings or something. You look like... I, I would put you in the more Latin Kings kind of section. Hell so, yes. Yeah. We I'll got, look them up as soon as we get off. And hopefully there's some Two White Lights listeners who are Latin Kings. We have a new recruit. She's going to be in Chicago in October. So check out Heather Connor. I'm a four-foot-ten blonde girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm telling you. it's They need an image change, Latin Kings. So yeah. I think you'll think you'll be good for that but um yeah if you take a train chicago you're gonna be in the heart of the city too so really easy train ride but i want to tell people like when they come over here it's like oh it's in chicago i'm like no 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 it's in lombard lombard's okay it's an okay area it's not like in the middle of nowhere there's still a bunch of places to do um and it's like a little bit by schomburg and those kind of areas which is like diet chicago but you're not in chicago like you're gonna have to travel there, which is an easy travel. All right, so we'll see you in October at USAPL Nationals. Now to our segments that we like to ask all the guests to come on to White Lights. First one, this was a past topic. What's the most annoying things powerlifters say, in your opinion? <laughs> I think I think the most annoying, and I think a lot of people can agree on, is um, not my best meat. Mm-hmm. But that was a that was that was a common one on the uh, topic that we had. It's yeah, it's uh, not the meat but, I wanted, but, but. yeah, <laughs> you always get that butt in there. And I think it's an old expression: anything before the word "butt" is bullshit. Yeah. It's like if someone says, "You know, you're a great lifter," but they didn't mean that first part. Right. Like you're a great person. You know, I like what you do as far as you know. Everything you do on social media, but nah, they didn't mean that last part. They're just using that to segue into an insult. You've been a great boyfriend, but... Yeah. So that's it for you? Yeah, I think that would be annoying. I actually, I had so many of them, because I get ticked off really easily with what people say. But, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a lot that I brought up on the show. Or, if I'm going to, you know, stir some pots, um... Oh, I didn't know that was a banned substance. Yeah, we talked about it on this show as well, because we had to tape a lot of it uh, before. Yeah. You know what? It's... <laughs> I will say this, though. <laughs> I will say this. For the per- the for the gentleman, the great white North juggernaut, uh, by his handle, um, his explanation isn't great, but with the USAPL of what's on the banned substances... Someone could slip up and have a little bit too much caffeine, right? Right. And get and get busted because I mean I'm probably failing the drug test with the amount of caffeine I drink while I'm working. 
Right. Because I, I'm, if, and if everyone knows me, I'm a coffee addict. I drink coffee all day. So I might bust a drug test, you know, out of competition while I'm teaching, even though caffeine, you know, you piss it out and you're fine and all that kind of stuff. But there are certain USAPL's banned substances that, like, holy shit, what the fuck are you guys, like, like, you guys really are trying to get this? You're trying to test athletes for this stuff? It's like, focus on performance enhancers. You know, those Canadian supplements, you never know what's going to be in them, so... And I, and I love Kelly Brand. Like, Kelly uh-huh. Brand has always been very good to me. But. But. There's that but. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, have, I have questions, and. And I think we'll get answers soon. Yeah, I think I think later on we'll get the answers. I am glad that he addressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did wonder where he was at mm-hmm. Worlds. Well. Yeah, and also here's when someone kind of he it looks like he's taking the news hard, and yeah. you know, and I I can't because I don't know the guy, and I'm seeing an Instagram post, so it's hard for me to formulate something. But when you get like continuous continuous trolls and that kind of stuff, it's like maybe you want to take it down a notch just a little bit. It's like call yeah. them out, sure. You're trying to protect the integrity of the sport, sure. Right. Whatever. And I've often said that I when there's a steroid league that we have in powerlifting, mm-hmm. you know, Major League Baseball doesn't have a steroid league. We have a steroid league, so it's like if you want to take stuff, hell, you might get paid a little bit more, and you got yeah. my, you might you might get a better total too on top of that. It's like, do the steroid league, man. It's it's better yeah. for you, <laughs> but just do it. So, but because um, I kind of lose respect when it comes to that. It's like, man, you're really trying to cheat the system, but I don't know the specifics, and right. I might have a podcast, but I hate speculating. So because I'm often wrong about things, so it's just gonna come back, and I have like audio evidence how big of a dumbass I am. So. Don't let your don't let your students hear that you're often wrong about things. Oh, they know that. I tell them to <laughs> I tell them to read the. T- I'm like, if you guys read a chapter ahead of me, you know more than me about what we're doing. So you're, we're fine. <laughs> All right, and for our last segment, uh, one of the two white lights favorites, FMK. We're gonna start off really easy with FMK, and for those of you who don't know, FMK is fuck Mary kill, squat bench deadlift. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead. Fuck deadlift. Like, that's in a good term. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always a good term. Kill, bench. No, 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 no. I'm a fuck squat, kill, bench, and marry deadlift. That's exactly what I thought you would say. Because, you know, I'm going to marry the most loyal one. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, that's what it's like. Deadlift is always going to be there for me. At the yeah. end of the competition, when I'm having a shitty meet, deadlift will be there to pick me up. Squat, I would fuck it because it could be aesthetic, but, you yeah. know... It's dangerous and kind of scary, um, and it just takes a little bit to mess up. So don't want to, don't want to marry that, right? Right. And then bench, obviously, kill it. That's a cliche. Powerlifters have is that they suck at bench. <laughs> All right. Uh, IPF, USAPL, USPA. Mm, fuck USPA. USPA, okay. yeah. Because it's kind of one of those things like I'm gonna have that as my side bay. Like, ooh. That's what I said about USAPL. <laughs> Scandalous. Um, marry the IPF because it does take me to such great places mm-hmm. and probably kill the USAPL. And I say that in a sense with a lot of the things that are coming up in the USAPL and a lot of the heat that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just kills me like transgender, uh, this is this, oh, but what about this is this? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so much that, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, with we actually did the show the segment before with uh, it was APF USAPL and USPA and very similar. I would fuck USAPL, marry APF because that's my first federation. They're loyal. They put on a good meet. The and uh, USPA, I just the the lifters are getting a little elitist for me, and it's getting to a bit where it's annoying. So I just kind of wanted to do away with them. All right, and last one, my hair. Your hair or Dylan Brace's hair? And, you know, we're leaving a lot of people off the list with great hairs in powerlifting. Oh, yeah, but I definitely, in this order, my hair. (laughs) As far as what, marrying? Because, like, it's just, you know, I'm not going to even give the details of my hair because I can just go on about it. I mean, just watch it. Just watch your Instagram. It's a beautiful set of hair. I'm Perfect. Sorry, it waves. Dylan, but I gotta go with you for a second. Awesome. And then Point Dylan. one, Angelo. Take that, Dylan. <laughs> and then Dylan for third. So. All right. Well, there you have it, Dylan. We just had a little debate right now. <laughs> Heather. Because you got that cool man bun going on, yeah. I know, and you know, it's very versatile. I can let it down, I can shave the sides, I used to have super long hair, I can have super short hair. Just, you know, Dylan's going to get there one day. He's young still. When he's 26, my age, he's going to get some nice hair. But do agree, you and Marissa Inda have the best hair in IPF USAPL. Thank you. Yep. I'll let her know you said that. (laughs) Please do. And don't tell Chad Wesley Smith, I don't want him kicking my ass. All right, so... Thank you once again for coming on the show. Great interview. And once you are in Chicago, feel free to come on again. We'll love to have you on. Of course. All right. Thank you, Heather, for coming on to White Lights. Hopefully we could have you on again when USAPL Nationals is in our backyard. Yes, and I can actually be there for one of those interviews. That's going to be so much fun. I know, and we're hoping to get a lot of people in person, in studio, in the evil lair, in anywhere to interview yep. during USAPL Nationals because after watching IPF Worlds, I am now more pumped than I was like five, six weeks ago. Sweet. So, Must be all the taken. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Must be all the juice you're taking. <laughs> don't. I, I'm editing that part out. I don't want to get fucking tested. <laughs> I don't want to get tested at school or some shit while I'm teaching. Alright, so we also have our Two White Lights topic of the week and it is a good one. If you are a I think a sports talk show, a sports network, a powerlifting podcast, a podcast in general, you need, yeah, if you're in media, you need to have this debate, and that is your Mount Rushmore debate. Yes. Now, are we, is this a parody? Yes. ESPN did this when I was like 14. Have other sports talk shows done it since? Yes. Have powerlifting podcasts done it since? Yes. Are we doing it now? Yes. And we kept it very brief. We did. Because I think we're only going to do one of these, even though you could do a whole list of them. Shout out to part of my take for always doing them. You can go Mount Rushmore for powerlifting equipment. You can go Mount Rushmore for federations. You can go Mount Rushmore for supplements to take. Powerlifting hair. You can go Mount Rushmore for different weight classes. Yeah. You you could really go all in on this, but, you know, I, I... when you and I were talking this week about what our topic was going to be, I said, let's let's do the Mount Rushmore. I know we chatted about it before, and, you know, other other powerlifting and strength podcasts have done this, and yeah. I think 
last time we talked about it, it was right around the same time. I think a Massonomics did it. Shout out to Massonomics. Yeah. So, because I think one of their powerlifting Mount Rushmore is on the actual Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. So, I mean, perfect. There you go. But, um, again, um, we had this topic, and it was a very basic one. Who is on your Mount Rushmore in powerlifting and strength sports? Yes. So, here are the rules of Mount Rushmore, because I thought it was going to be very, very uh, self-explanatory, but not everyone is a major in history. Like the co-host formerly known as Enzo is. Or, or in math. <laughs> well, or geography. Yeah, I'm telling you. Or, yeah. So, Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota. Yep. It has four presidents on it. It does. Four presidents. So, we are looking for four powerlifting or strength athletes. That's not it. Great. Not and five, all- not six, not two or one either. Yes. Four. And this is this is my take on it. Mount Rushmore was christened, if you will, or, or designed and, and built after all of these presidents had, were retired. I think all of them were dead too. Yeah. Uh, that's not necessarily a requirement, but their careers were done. Yeah. Their careers were over, and I think that's an important thing: is those who may potentially be on a future Mount Rushmore, they're still building their legacy right now. Yeah. And, like, one that is not on mine, who, you know, won't dive into this just yet, uh, on my my four, Big Z. Yep. Drew Sabisca is arguably one of the strongest humans of all time, and but he's, he's still doing the thing. Yeah. Me, he can't be on there yet. Yeah, and the great thing about this debate is because people are going to look at it in different ways. Because, yep. like, what you just said, I didn't really think of in the first place because, one, powerlifting is... Not like baseball or anything, or like all the other sports where guys have gone, they've they've come, they've gone, they've died, they retired. Like yep. their legacies are done. Powerlifting is not a hundred year, fifty year old sport as of yet. Yeah. So you're gonna probably, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I gotta get guys who I know and admire, and a lot of this could be you're just a lot of people are just putting their favorite strength athletes. Other people are going on sheer accolades. Other people so, are going different sports. So what you mentioned, strongman. Other people just with influence as well. So it's not so much how much number, your, what your number is, what your total is. It's how many barbells have they put in other people's hands because they existed. Yes. And which I respect. And I love those comments as well. So, uh, are, what's up? Those are very important. I think that's, that's a good way to be thinking. And it, it's good that we, I'm thinking about this now, it's good that we didn't put these parameters out. Yeah. Because it, it obviously got people thinking. Yeah, and I didn't feel like typing all the rules because I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. And and it, me just saying Mount Rushmore confused a lot of people because, you know, one person immediately was like, well, Ed Cohen's got to be up there. I'm like, There's one. that's one of four, man. You're 25% there. Let's get the other 75%. And other people are giving me three out of four. I'm like, I guess maybe you have beef with Thomas Jefferson. You want him removed for obvious reasons. Or, you know, Teddy Roosevelt for obvious reasons. But, again... Four people. That's all we need. That confused people enough, but we got some really good feedback and responses. But, like always, we're giving our takes first. We are. And between us, we're going to have a whole different list because Bane is older than me. I don't know if you guys knew that. I don't think I mentioned that on the show before. But Bane... No, I don't think I've ever poked at that or anything. But Bane is a little older than me. Better powerlifting historian and strongman historian than I am. That is 
That is definite. So I'll let you give your Mount Rushmore of powerlifting slash strength sports. Sure. So mine is a there's only one I guess I would say modern and this one is I'll be very honest is very personal and that is Eric Moroser okay uh, because Eric has had a, an incredible impact on my life and so he is on my Mount Rushmore okay and again um, this is personal R- R- Mount Rushmore people yep so uh, after him is Paul Anderson for those who don't know Paul Anderson he is one of the original strength athletes what's really cool about Paul Anderson if you do some research on him it is it is difficult to separate facts from fiction because there is documentation of some of his incredible lifts. A, I believe it was a 6,100-pound, uh, they call it a back lift, but basically he starts in the bottom squat position and stands up. Uh-huh. Wait on his, yeah. 6,100 pounds. What the fuck? It is incredible how powerful this man was. Uh, and so I, 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 he's one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magnus from Magnuson, strong, famous, very famous strongman. Uh, from Iceland, and one of my, you know, the first ever strongman that I really followed. Yeah. Um, and so, so he was kind of uh, helped me kind of go down my path of getting into the world of strength. And then I feel like I almost have to say it, Eddie Cohen. Of course, I think Eddie Cohen might be that powerlifting guy who's going to be a constant on most lifts because we're like I had to explain to people I'm like we're called two white lights. Yep. This is our like we competitive powerlifters. Where this is a powerlifting podcast, so yeah. a lot of people because people are like, why aren't they mentioning strongmen? I'm like, eh, most of our followers and us especially are powerlifters, so we're going to put mostly powerlifters on our list. And my list is comprised of powerlifters. There you go. So for me, number one, which I I think I was irate, and I think I'll debate people this all day. And I think the very first episode of our new studio. I mentioned this man because I don't think he gets enough love, and I'm very surprised that he doesn't get enough love. I think he just became too famous and other things. Mark fucking Henry. Yes, sir. World's strongest man, sexual chocolate, is on the strength sports Mount Rushmore. Powerlifting Mount Rushmore. Yeah. He is the most decorated strength athlete of all time, in my opinion. And I think I have a pretty fair thesis here because the evidence supports that thesis sure you have all-time powerlifting records that he broke he was a competitor in the pan am games in olympic lifting which not a lot of people have done recently made that crossover powerlifting olympic lifting um which in my opinion is kind of the top of it's like it's like powerlifting perfected athleticism mixed with strength so he is a, an Olympic uh, competitor. He's an Olympian, which is an extreme accomplishment, especially with coupled with the powerlifting prowess. World's Strongest Man as well. Yep. I believe he's won that a few times. Um, does the crazy strength feats with the, the, like the semi-truck carries and all that kind of stuff and doing all those freak strength, uh, strength sports as well. And he's had an, a massive crossover success possibly the most crossover success anyone has ever had in strength sports he was part of the wwf during the attitude era the golden era and the pg era he surpassed all that actually the golden era came first so he was part of that with you know you know brett the hitman Hart, with um with the ultimate warrior and that kind of stuff he was part of that wrestling era that was extremely extremely famous yeah then the attitude era 
I mean, if you're my age and you were 10 or, I mean, 7 through 12 years old, or I mean, hell, 7 through 35 years old, you watched the Attitude Era. Yeah. It was so, eating the so, ratings for Monday Night Football. Yeah. And he was part of the nation domination with The Rock. He was sexual with chocolate. One of the best gimmicks ever. Some of the funniest moments of the Attitude Era came from that when he was sexual with chocolate. And then he progressed into the the PG era in wrestling as well. I'm giving a little bit of a wrestling history lesson where, you know, my little brother watched and my nephews watched where he was world heavyweight champion. He kind of took on more of the persona of the world's strongest man. He did the, uh, he did like the car leg presses. He did the yep. uh, fi- frying pan bend and just kind of bending the metal oh, with that. Crushing. Lifting cars, yeah. uh, doing the semi-truck carries again. And that, like, there's so many different eras that he's touching with the crossover success, and it started from the powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and strongman background. Yeah, he was the strongest shit, and he just turned it into a, a whole career. Of yes. So he is the first sculpture on the powerlifting Mount Rushmore that's probably going to be put in Ohio. I don't know. <laughs> I know they don't have a lot of mountains there, but they should make it'll, one. It'll be on the foothill. It'll be fine. You know what? I'm going to suggest it to the Arnold. Make one. Someone make one, make a mount, uh, powerlifting or uh, a strength athlete, Mount Rushmore. Mark Henry, first just, first one on the list. And I'll debate that all day. Number two, Ed Cohen. We mentioned it. He's going to be on most lists. We should have done something where I couldn't say anything off your list, but uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever, we'll do it. But Ed Cohen, he's the – what's that? You and I bridged the gap between the young people and the old. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Ed Cohen, even if you're a young competitor, I think that's the one competitor that stands out in most people's minds, even if you're my age or if you're even younger. You respect and bow down to Ed Cohen. Yeah. The longevity of his career, the amount of competitions he competed in, the amount of goals he's won, um, the world records he's broken. He's the GOAT in powerlifting, in my opinion. And, again, that's that's an argument that I have, and I have pretty good damn evidence to support that. Yes. Now, I three agree. and four are going to get a little bit hazy here because now I'm going into my personal, okay. my personal faves. Okay. Hack. Hack is on my Mount Rushmore because I'm an 83-kilo lifter, and he is, I think, the best 83-kilo lifter of all time. Okay. And I think he's going to continuously get stronger, which is, again, a scary prospect, but he is he's 83-kilo Jesus. He's the 83-kilo LeBron. He's the 83-kilo Jordan. And that's and that's who I compare myself to. Other 181-pound, 183-pound lifters. Yeah. So he's getting close to 2,000 total, which I don't think when, you know, the 83-kilo lifters were kind of starting that we thought that was possible. He's getting there and continuously putting in insane meets. And I think at a point... He's had a long enough career and a the accolades to back it up. He's going to be considered a legend. Okay. The fourth one, I got to throw a woman on this list. Okay. I got to throw it, and that woman is Steffi Cohen. I think with the new lifters that we're getting, Steffi Cohen is very similar to how I look at Heck for female lifters. Female lifters and male lifters love Steffi Cohen. I personally, right now, even though he doesn't have the highest books of all time, whatever, that's Mariana. I think she's the biggest star in this sport. And I think he's putting more barbell, more barbells in the hands of any modern lifter, and this could be argued, but any modern lifter currently. Okay. 
I think, and again, solid argument. Ex- world records being broken, crazy totals, all time Wilkes, obviously. Uh, even if you're not number one, if you're in the top twenty, top thirty, you're pretty damn good. But when you're in those, you know, the micros, the one, two, three, four, fives, you're pretty damn good. And and as far as he's giving back to the sport with the knowledge and um, becoming like a somewhat of an Instagram influencer, which I use that term a lot, but I think influencer can be good if they're influencing in the right way. Yep. So her videos are now a bit funny, but at the same time, pretty informational too. You know, the high def, uh, the camera work and all that kind of stuff. She's using this tool that we have on our phones. I mean, you're listening to this on probably your smartphone. She's using it to an advantage where other people are using it like shit. And I'm getting educated. A lot of new lifters are getting educated because Steffi Cohen is a strong lifter. Also, she's extremely intelligent too. So she's yeah. on my Mount Rushmore. Um, and I, I chose her over Lane Norton, which says a lot because Lane Norton is the reason why I'm probably as good as a power lifter as I am. So Not wrong. So those are ours, and your list is pretty damn good. I like that. I, I yeah. I mean, I think it's it's important to, to recognize the the history, and um, I, and I and I'm hoping that some of these that you know people that engaged on my page, I, I know some on yours too. Mm-hmm. It's gonna prompt you to go and start looking up who these people are. Yeah, and I had to do that a, a, a bit. And, and I think it's important. It's important to know where we come from, what the groundwork that was laid. Um, you know, in this sport, because really, I mean, this, this is a silly little hobby that becomes so important to so many of us. Mm-hmm. So it's just good to know who kind of, you know, whose shoulders are standing on, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I at the Heartbreak Kid, uh, Sean Copeland, he, I liked that he listed just by first names, and I knew who every one of these people were. Uh, Ed, Becca, so Becca Swanson, mm-hmm. Donnie, Donnie, uh, Laura as in Laura Phelps, Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. uh, and then Chuck Vogelpool. Yeah. Um, so I mean, a great, great group there. Five, I get it. We we had a few like that, uh, but a, a great list there. Um, also, got to give a shout out to at Wood Crate Turtle. He listed Aubrey Hogan at fourteen oh power at Bing three sixteen and at Jamal B fifteen. I'm like, oh look at us, we're on somebody's Mount Rushmore. Yeah, um, I'm flattered, but at the same time, almost insulted. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Wood Crate Turtle. I'm I'm very flattered, but if. You know, if there was a Mount Rushmore and my face is on it, I'll probably be like, well, you could tear down that monument because I think I got to do a little bit more in this sport. But shout out to Aubrey. That's our boy. Yeah, there you go. Um, Some good ones from yours. Yeah, so, I mean, the first one I had to mention was Brock A. Myers because I love this one. Ed Cohen, Kaz, Andre M., and Thomas Jefferson for his con- contribution to the deadlift. With Thomas Jefferson, he also was a terrific philosopher, politician, um, writer. He wrote a few important documents, but it gets lost because of the Jefferson deadlift. So uh, kudos to him. A lot of people put uh, Jesse Norris on there as well. Yeah. Jesse Norris is up there, and I think eventually he can be. Hopefully he can kind of get back into competing in powerlifting because he's he's such a fucking beast. He, he is, and... and Very similar say, to Hack, how he's effortlessly strong. Yeah, but my, my thing is that because he has been out of the sport for mm-hmm. so long, he can come back and get back in, because he really, he was, a, he was a pretty, I don't say flash in the pan, but he was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. 
Um, we actually had a lot of people mention Hack, which I was very happy, and so was um, one of our one of our listeners, uh, Anthony, said he's just happy that Hack's getting a bunch of love, which is always good to see. Um, we have a lot of, like, a, a, what a lot of I'm seeing with this is modern powerlifters, so I'm seeing a lot of Ed Cohen, Ray Williams, Yuri Belkin, and Hack. Great list, yep. uh, T7, uh, T. Stephens, 1212. Yeah, we got Dylan Hale also saying Ed Cohen, John Hack, Ray Williams, and Steffi Cohen. So I got uh, at Monster Garage Gym, that is uh, Ed Rozier. So again, one of the ones from my, uh, Mount Rushmore. Uh, he lists Paul Anderson, and I got him sure I say the name right, Vasily Alexiev. That is a huge name that most people do not know. This guy is old school Russian, was pumped through their strength systems that basically developed everything that we all base our, our training off of. And this guy was at the top of their game for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I, people go research who this guy is. Uh, Eddie Cohen, of course. And another one that I didn't think of, and I actually was kind of mad I didn't, was Don Reinhout. And mm-hmm. he's one that people just need to go look up. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to use Google a lot for this one. You, you are, but I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed when you mm-hmm. look up some. Uh, another great one, I actually had a, a great conversation with Steve Brock. Um, and he... He gave me some awesome names. Again, Ed Cohen. I love that Ed gets so much love. Um, he's another one. That I, I got to put, I think Ed has been the most reoccurring one. I think, yes. Uh, I, I agree. Gary Frank, president of the WBC, won. Uh, but the first guy to total, I believe it was 24, 25, 26, 27, and 2,800. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Paul Anderson, Brand. Another one, we, we could legitimately, I, I went and dug into this after Steve told me about Lee, we could do an entire show on this guy. Yeah. So, I, I just awesome, awesome, uh, you know, list here. So, uh, really appreciate Steve uh, for giving me that one. So, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, Matt Wallace, 148, uh, mentioned Ed, Dan, Eric, Steffi, no last names needed, which, of course, we all know what they're talking about. Uh, Ed yep. Cohen. Dan Boss Green. I was surprised he didn't get mentioned more. And honestly, it's because he hasn't competed in a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Once he gets back on the platform, because he is such a monster and such a presence. Yeah. People, he will rock it way past the, the other individuals that Matt wrote a great uh, blog post about. Mm-hmm. But past a lot of other folks, too, because Dan has given back so much of those four. He's really kind of taken a back seat, his own competing, yeah. to give forward, I think is incredibly important. Yeah, and we had a few mentions for Eric Lillibridge. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt mentioned him as well. Uh, Steffi Cohen, she was a very reoccurring one. Um, yep. For as far as female goes, I wasn't getting a ton. Um, we got Jen Thompson in there, which I I would say there's like an that. argument to be made. Um, like here's one that I actually really liked because this person had to explain themselves. Be- and it's funny that they have to explain themselves, but it, it, it's... I enjoy when they do that. So, Polska Strong said, Ed Cohen, Steffi, Candido, and dot, 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 Mark Bell. I know, I know, I'm considering the impact on powerlifting as a whole. Even though I don't like Mark Bell anymore, anymore, he was a huge catalyst of popularity back when he did podcasts with Lehman, Rubich, and Steffi. I think that's when the popularity of raw powerlifting really picked up, which I 
do like his list there and his Mount Rushmore because those people, I think, have, you could argue, made the most impact on the modern popularity of powerlifting. Sure. Candido was mentioned a few times, but if you talk to any young powerlifter, they probably start off with Candido's program. And, um, and Mark Bell too. I mean, Mark Bell, I actually don't know why he doesn't like Mark Bell anymore. Um, must've been a hat he wore. A what? Must've been a hat. I don't know about that. I know this guy personally, so I don't think it was the hat. I know he upset a few other prominent, uh, powerlifters, but like, I, I don't understand why exactly he doesn't like Mark Bell anymore, but yes, I, I, as far as the mainstream or not the mainstream popularity, I say becoming more mainstream in fitness, Mark Bell has a big, big um, contribution to that. So, yeah, and I really like that he mentioned him on his list, and like, it's it's a interesting way to view Mount Rushmore. Agreed. I think a, a, another great list I, I have here from uh, a former guest of ours, at Fanatis Illinois lifter, Donnie Hoff, Laura. Laura Phelps does not get as much credit as she deserves. She is a tremendous influence on a mm-hmm. lot of good lifters. Um, France, Ernie, another great one. Another one that I didn't think, uh, I thought more people would mention, but I don't think no one is, no one is mentioned on my post at least, which makes sense because. Laura or Ernie? Ernie. Yeah. It's, yeah. It makes sense. Uh, Cohen and then, uh, Kennelly, another good one that, uh, a lot of folks just don't know the name. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's kind of unfortunate too, because it's like. I get the impact of making the sport more popular is important, but at the same time, it's we are going to have a generation of lifters, and I'm part of that generation who haven't heard of these people. Yep, and it, it just takes it just takes people taking the time to go and learn that. Here's the thing: the same thing happens in every sport you play. You start playing football, you get good at it, whatever. You may know earlier than later who some of the greats were, but trust me, there are kids that do not know who Jim Brown is. Yeah, um, I think eventually they will as they kind of get more involved in the sport. But, um, but I mean, you can say the same about powerlifting because, I mean, shit, I didn't know a lot of these people that they were mentioning. Yeah. And, that's, and if I started powerlifting this year, I would probably know two or three people on most people's lists. Definitely not any Cohen. So, so the, the, the reason I say all that and why it's important is that's okay. Yeah. That's one of the that I really wanted to do this one is because the history is important. We need for people to start hearing these names because the only way they're going to figure them out. Yep. And, and so, you know, you could be the curmudgeonly old man. So oh, you don't know what powerless was like back in the day. Well, tell me, just tell me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think I'm getting a little bit better with my knowledge of powerlifting, but, uh, we had some few bodybuilders thrown in there as well, which I don't know if this person was trying to upset me, but I'm not upset because I think, I think like if you throw Arnold on a list, of a Mount Rushmore, yeah, I not I'm bad. Okay with, I'm, I'm, here's the thing: I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, he. I mean, he brought. Let's put it this way: bodybuilders can make a way better living just doing their sport than powerlifters, strongmen, or anybody else. He put iron into the household of many. Yeah, just yeah. iron in general. The workout craze was started. Start by Arnold. I disagree. It was started by a man called Sylvester Stallone. In Rocky, that's when the fitness craze started. It was early okay. 70s. Okay. Italian men were wearing their sweatsuits, running and lifting weights like Rocky, before pumping iron. He kind of made that push, like that bodybuilding and like the freak physique 
popular sure. to mainstream society. But I'm going to stand by it. Rocky started the workout craze in the 70s. I feel there's some bias there, but I'm going I'm to support you. There's definite bias over there, but <laughs> I, I I say that with pretty good evidence because Rocky came out in 1972. That's fair. Best That's picture, fair. and I think all my relatives and people who watch Rocky is like, yeah, after that movie came out, everyone wanted to work out. That's fair. That, those, that's training, fair. those training montages are no fucking joke, people. Oh, it's 70s, 80s training montages. Game Master Logan. I watch Rocky Two training montage probably if I'm having just like a hard hard day or something or a tough day, uh, maybe before training, maybe before a big max out day. I'm watching Rocky Two training montage shamelessly, and then once okay. close gets close to competition, I'm definitely watching Rocky Four. Okay. And I might have to do that for nationals. Um, I might make my own training montage. I might put. Russ and Noriega just on my mirror and then just look at them every day and then once I go out and do my really unnecessary have, run have in the in, in, in the snow, just do my really unnecessary run, just, you know, tear it down and just if yep. you then you just see my face with a fucking sick beard. I'm gonna watch Rocky Four right after this, uh right after this. But oh, good topic. Seriously. Yeah, great topic. Maybe we'll do more. Um I don't wanna get cease and desisted by part of my take. But, um, again, thank you for everyone who commented on the Mount Rushmore. And um, I might post my Mount Rushmore on my story as well, see what feedback I get. Because Mark Henry's got to be on people's list. I'm sorry. The fact that zero people mentioned Mark Henry is insulting. It just shows you're a man of culture, my friends. I know. And I'm surprised the only one who's watched wrestling, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, like, what the hell? You guys haven't watched wrestling? You guys haven't heard that he's the world's strongest man? Hell yeah. I mean, it was a legitimate, too. They weren't just bullshitting us. It was legitimate. Yeah, he's won several, like, kind of strength contests. But, again, thank you for everyone to compete, uh, who commented on... Yeah, didn't compete. Uh, commented on our post. Um, we'll have another topic for you soon. All right, Bane. Yes. We still have some important things this weekend going on, so lay it on us, brother. We've got, uh, APF Nationals going on right now, uh... Going on in Michigan, and going to be some great reporting coming out of there. I've already seen some some numbers from some of the ladies, mm-hmm. the big numbers uh, from the girls. I'm excited to see the guys uh, they are uh, are finishing up. And then, speaking of world's strongest man, it is going on in Bradenton, Florida. I actually got a bit of a sneak peek of a lot of stuff from that. A good friend of mine, uh, Kevin McClellan, he owns the Ample Gym in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, recently, won Masters World's Strongest Man in Belfast, uh, Ireland, mm-hmm. and. While coaching one of his guys at Strongman Nationals this year, was asked to come down as an alternate for uh, World Strongest Man and help test out the equipment. Unfortunately, he did get hurt, so he wasn't able to compete. But was supposed to be competing in Brian Shaw's group, which is just fucking awesome. Yeah. So, but great numbers already coming out of there. We've seen some of the preliminaries over the last couple of days. It does look like Thor got hurt, though. It does. I did see that. I did see um, yeah. a couple of news stories breaking on that as well. Yeah, so I, but just excited to see kind of what comes. Brian Shaw looks very strong, so we may be seeing the return of uh, of him to the World's Strongest Man podium. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, and World's Strongest Man, in my opinion, is one of the actual entertaining things to watch in strength sports. I've never gotten into it too much, um, but at the same time, I could respect how uh, how amazing it is. You bet. You bet. Yep. Also, for segments, Larry Wheels did something. He did. Um, those uh, straps are going to get a lot of people's sweet prints hurt one day. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I I don't know what he's I don't know what he's thinking, but <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I think he's doing some strongman training. It looked like he was about yeah. to hitch a deadlift, and the bar the bar gave him a little arm drag whip like Brett Hart would if he was like reversing a move. Again, another yeah. this is a very wrestling heavy podcast, but. Like that's how what I well, that's what I saw. Like Owen or Bret Hart was reversing a move, and they got a little arm drag in, and he just went right over right over the bar. Like the bar flipped complete, him though. Complete front flip, and um, he's okay. Don't worry mm-hmm. for sixteen twenty three year old set. He's okay. Yeah, he's but, fine. Yeah, front flip right over the bar. Yeah, and also if you guys want more of Larry Beals did something, you mentioned earlier. Matt Wallace did a great blog on Larry Beals. Wheels first, the boss. Check it out on our website. Really good article there. If you're a wheelie, as he likes to call him, you know, comment on it. You know, maybe, maybe take that criticism tug in cheek, but at the same time, really good blog by him. Definitely, definitely. All right, Sorry. so that's about does it for two white lights. Unless you have anything to add. Good, there's a lot of stuff to get through this week. I know. Um, powerlifting doesn't yield a ton of content as far as us, you know, like covering it. But this week was a really Good week for powerlifting. And yeah. APF, I mean, IPF Worlds, yep, the hype around. was there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, looks like that's going to do it for Two White Lights. We're going to have more interviews, more guests coming on, so be on the lookout for that. Also, follow us on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify. Check out the Two White Lights website. Get your dumbass a shirt. Please get a shirt. Get a shirt, man. They're beautiful. Help us us come to you. Help us bring two white lights to the people. We can't just be stuck in Illinois. No, we can't. It's, I mean, Illinois is great in the summer, but currently I'm looking out the window and it's absolute shit outside. So, um, we like, we would like to travel and talk to some more powerlifters. So buy a shirt and that's it for me. That's it. That's all I got, man. All right. Well, I am the co-host formerly known as Enzo and with me is. And we'll see you guys next week. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We recap IPF World Championships that took place in Sweden this past week. We talk about the best male lifters, best female lifters, the great battles that are going on between Mello and Lawrence, Orhi and Gibbs, uh, Taylor Atwood's terrific, terrific performance. We talk about some of the disappointing performances of the week and we have to cover this but the unfortunate news of kelly michael brantley testing positive for ped is getting him booted from the ipf we also have a terrific interview with powerlifting legend 2019 ipf world champion heather connor great great interview with her we talk about how she got into powerlifting her origin story her Experience at IPF Worlds, a performance that got her first place, got her the gold. We talk about some of the challenges she had to face, the intensity she brings to the platform, how she deals with hate on the internet. We also get into some segments with her as well. Annoying things powerlifters say, FMK, we play a little bit of that with her. Again, terrific interview. Thank you, Heather, for coming out. We also have our two white lights topic of the week. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of powerlifting and strength sports? Great conversation with there with some of the legendary powerlifters, some of the current powerlifters, different philosophies on what qualifies you to be on the Mount Rushmore of powerlifting. 
And we also finished up a show with Larry Wheels Did Something. But before we get into all that, I want to talk to you guys about Rival Us. Guys, girls, visit RivalUs.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 for protein, creatine, merchandise, pre-workout, you name it. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off. Do it. Go get you some supplements. Get some money off it as well. Also, visit Two White Light Store. Get yourself a t-shirt. Follow us on Spotify. Without further ado, here is Two White Lights.